Sullivan testing the Portuguese. You know, I like to be fit and healthy, so the best way I know is to just get out there and run. Running was an outlet for me to, I guess, feel good about myself and, and take out some of the angers that were going on in my life. Sonny O'Sullivan is going to take the world title back to Ireland. It's the Irishman Running Abroad podcast with the Queen of Irish Athletics, Sonia Sullivan. I feel like the king of Irish athletics today, Sonia, because I just <laughs> finished my last long run before the Dublin City Marathon. 34 kilometres in the company of Paddy, uh, Shane and Steve. And I, honest to God, I feel, I'm buzzing off my face, Sonia. It couldn't have gone better. I, <laughs> I, I swear to God, when I hit 34 kilometers, I'm bouncing off the road. I was like, oh, my God. After the hole that we found ourselves in two weeks ago, I can't believe that we're at this point. Is this a dangerous place to be in? My first question about troubleshooting for the marathon day itself. When you're on that high, about to start your two-week taper, what do I need to not do next? (laughs) Well, I suppose what you you need to do is you need to bottle that feeling and remind yourself that your last long run was so good. Mm. And then you, you bring that with you to the start line so that when you have any doubts or fears creeping in, you think, well, I'm well rested up for this one. How do I bottle it? Well, you just... Do you write it down? Yeah, don't get too excited this week about it. Don't talk. <laughs> put it away now. Stop yeah. talking about it. Like, it, like when you say that, like bottle it, like I know, is it remember it, store it? it like the journal has been your, maybe it might be the first tip you gave on the podcast was get a notebook to write down what you're writing. And I do take a lot of strength from flicking through the pages and going, look at all those miles. I go back to the London notebook and I'm like, yeah, you felt this way then, but I definitely never felt like this. You must have had sessions in the lead up to World Championships where you were you were buzzing. You're going, oh, yeah, this is this is where I want to be. Are you, When you say to me, don't get too high on it. Are you talking about your own career in those moments where you're like, keep it cool, Sonia? You've got this, but don't get too excited yet. We're not at the championships. Well, I don't think I ever got excited about any training sessions or runs. I was just very, no, you'd just be very happy and content with what you've done. But I wouldn't, but I would write it down and then I wouldn't even, I wouldn't talk about it again. You keep it internal, you keep it to yourself. Mm, mm. And because the more people you tell, then the more expectation they have for you to. Yeah delivered a great results yeah. and <laughs> the close people around you I, I mean I would have done some amazing sessions with Frank O'Mara and Marcus O'Sullivan and Paul Donovan but we always kind of kept a lid on it we never mm. got too excited or or you know, did a podcast about it <laughs> no and we never made any wild predictions or anything like that <laughs> yeah you would yeah. have like realistic ambitions I think and targets and I mean even Back to 2015 when I did run the Dublin Marathon, I remember I was very happy that I'd got in lots of long runs and lots of decent sessions. And I wrote down my target time for the day for my finish time and then my halfway time, my 10k time, my 5k time. And I had all the 5k's along the way. 
just so I had some numbers in my head rather than trying to be think of every kilometer or every mile. I just had it all done. Hmm. And a major markers along the way. And then, so I had that on a piece of paper. And then when I came back afterwards, I wrote down what I actually did. And I did better because I think I set a realistic and achievable target knowing that I was probably fitter. And everybody used to say to me, oh, you run way faster than that. And, but I always contained it at a lower level. Mm. But then I actually went out to run and ran a little bit faster. I wasn't afraid that I was going too fast because I knew that I had a good level in me to get through the distance. But there's always that fear in the marathon. You just don't know what's around the corner. Yeah. So I think it's good now I mean, you just have to not, I suppose, not let anything go wrong. The next week, is it two, <laughs> two weeks? Two, two, less than two weeks. And less certainly when we weeks. released this on Wednesday, we're recording this just to let you guys know, we're recording this on Monday afternoon, Irish time, about 3.30 in the afternoon. And uh, yeah, there is less than two weeks to go. Let's talk about the couple of categories of runners that might be listening to this. There's me who's navigated a couple of potholes got to his third or fourth long run, 34k in the bank, feel on top of the world, definitely could have done another 10k I felt today. Then there'll be somebody else listening to this who's like, last long run did not go great. Not feeling top of the world. Taper is on the way. What do you say to that person? Well, I think hopefully they didn't overextend themselves. I think if you're doing your last long run and you're not feeling good, then you should just stop early. And like, there's no point pushing through it just for the sake of it, just to write the numbers down on the mm. paper. So, I mean, it may be too late for that. Yeah. But if you have pushed yourself through it, then you just have to take it really easy this week. And you need to find that bounce again and the spring in your step. And that's what this taper in the last 10 days or so allows you to do is to kind of reconnect with that bouncy, springy feeling that sometimes when you're running so many miles and kilometers every week it, it just deadens your legs and it takes the spring out of your legs so yeah i mean i think it would just be to 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 yeah sit down whenever you can put the feet up and uh, <laughs> any runs that you do do make sure that they're they're good ones and mm. you just go out there to to feel good and the only reason you're doing it is to 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 feel good because yeah. you can't just sit down on the couch for the next 10 days you mm. have to actually get up and do a few things as well and just find find the confidence. Go out there and do a few sessions that at marathon pace. If it feels too hard, then you just have to slow down and you have to maybe adjust the goals and the targets. Some people, of course, will always have greater targets set for themselves than they're actually capable of. And I think if you can kind of anyway not- notice that in the na- last 10 days and readjust your goals, then you'll get more out of the marathon than if you set out too fast and hope for the best because that's definitely not not the road to take. Sure. I mean, super advice, it has to be said, and can be tough, can be tough to hear, right? Pairing back expectations, restoring your pep in your step through doing sessions and runs that make you feel happy at the end of it and certainly not resorting to Ben and & Jerry's and Netflix when you've pulverized yourself on your final last run it's super stuff and there's lots more of that if you go back to those london episodes one thing we didn't do and one category of runner 
that we haven't talked about is the person who has done the has done all they've been told to do has followed their plan but again they're in new territory they've probably maybe never run dublin before Today's episode is about troubleshooting the things that you should be thinking about that could possibly go wrong that you haven't given thought to. Sonia and I are here to try and help you devote some thought to what those things would be. You do this for a living now, Sonia, in many ways. When you're working with the Union Athletic Club there at Nike headquarters, for the elites, what does troubleshooting look like? in terms of the logistical side of getting them to the start line? Is it just travel, accommodation, getting to and from the track, or is there more to it than that? Yeah, there's a lot of that. I mean, you try to make that as simple as possible, the logistics of things and the planning for the the day before, the days before, and are you going to go on the day of the race or, Mm. you know, you have to fly the day before, drive the day before. If so, where are you going to stay the night before? That's always a big issue. And uh, you want to stay somewhere comfortable and sleeping not in your own bed can be uncomfortable for people. Little things can bother you. I think my thing was always when you check into a hotel room, you just do a scan of the room and <laughs> it's like, what noise is here? What lights are here? Yeah. And if do the curtains happy, close. <laughs> if you're not happy with it, you go straight back down and you request a new room mm. and because sometimes you, what if you're next to the lift that's like the worst thing ever yeah oh is there and anything then, or a fire exit that bangs yeah I mean I think if the lift is the worst if you notice it <laughs> and so I'm always as soon as I get out of the lift in a hotel I'm like okay how far away am I from the lift <laughs> yeah. I mean that's this is great this is great because I would never think I, I, I'm staying at a central Dublin hotel for this but I would never think to ring ahead and actually ask, can I ask for a room that's quieter, knowing that I'm going to yeah, be staying I mean, there the night before? You can do that. You probably could do that, yeah. I mean, I have never done that, but I'm definitely always alert when I get into the hotel first. Mm. And it's very hard to relax if you then try to change and you can't change. Then you have to try and make the best of a bad situation because these hotels, like, they have frigging generators and heaters yeah. and there's all noisy things on the outside that can really get you so heck some earplugs as well yeah 100 percent. i was staying at a place this weekend while i was doing my leicester square theater shows shout out to everybody who came out to those 400 seats packed out of it for the two nights and i did not expect people to show up after the rugby match what an unbelievable game uh, that was did you watch it over there sonia i did i was Traveling this weekend, I was, went to Wisconsin on. I was there Thursday and Friday. Sophie was running a cross country race, so I flew from Portland to Chicago, and Chicago is kind of in down the bottom in the middle of Lake Michigan. And if you go, if you drive to the the left, I suppose when you're looking at it, you end up in Wisconsin, and then if you drive to the right, about two three hours, you get to Michigan. And my brother. Tony lives in Michigan in a place called Holland and I'd never been here before. So I was planning to come visit at some point. And then I remember he told me that you could drive to Wisconsin. So I thought, oh, maybe I can come by in here and go to the cross country race and also come and stay with him. So I was, I've been in Holland, Michigan all weekend. 
And yeah, the plan was to be here to watch the rugby match. And it was great because it was at three o'clock in the afternoon here. Whereas Perfect. in Portland, it's at 12 o'clock. So yeah. you have to rush around. Whereas here, three o'clock, you can kind of, that's a good time to watch a match. I think you can sit down and relax and get into it. And yeah, we got into it. All right. But yeah, it was, we could see it from the beginning. I think Ireland, they were under pressure from the start. New Zealand, they really showed their true colours on Saturday. Yeah, God, it was it was gut wrenching. And like they definitely had their homework done. If that's what we're talking about today, that was a side that really knew what to expect and kind of prepared accordingly. But like there was it was there was definitely a marathon metaphor contained in it because things aren't going to go perfectly. I remember this before my wedding. Tina and I were both like, look, we put all of this work in to make this day as special as possible. But there's going to be moments where you have to look the other way or navigate it. Is that the key to troubleshooting your marathon day? Is the acceptance that it is not going to be perfect? Well, there's always going to be things that you can't control. And they say, what, control the controllables Mm. and deal with the uncontrollables. And you just have to manage things as best you can if something is out of your control, like something like the weather. Yeah. And um, I'll send you a video um, later. It was the Japanese Olympic trials run on the weekend. Oh, biblical rain. Did you see a video of it? I don't know. I didn't send you. I got a nice long one now. Uh, a long video and it kind of had clips of it gone long and it was amazing. It was just torrential. And it looked at one stage, it looked like, oh, it's easy off there now for a bit. But then it came back down again at the finish. And I mean, they ran pretty good times. They were all 208 and 209 for the leaders. But, you know, in, in relation to the times that people are running these days, it was a good five minutes off. Mm. But still, that was a, for running in those conditions. What was a championship race? They had the top two automatically qualified to go to the Olympics. And then the third place is up for grabs, either the third place athlete, who Suguru Osaka, he actually was wearing a union athletics club uniform. Yeah, yeah. He's coached by Pete Julian, but he's got, I don't know, he's got some interesting deal because he also is part of a club team in Japan. So, yeah, he managed to, he was wearing the uniform and yeah, he's in third place, but he's not guaranteed yet. He has to wait now to see if another Japanese athlete comes along and runs faster than 205.5, then I think they may get to go. But it's one of those up for discretion things. So not not a black and white situation. It was called the Grand Championship Marathon trial and uh, the worst possible conditions. But maybe it was coming down straight and no wind. And then, then you kind of think, okay, well, at least it's not windy. So I think you look at the positives when you're faced with a negative situation. And Lord knows rain is a possibility for any Dublin marathon. (laughs) (laughs) Last year was the humidity and the heat that nobody was prepared for. But probably the idea is in that two weeks beforehand to have a plan for both. It's a bit like going on holidays in the west of Ireland. You bring your wellies and your bikini. That's how it works now. (laughs) That's what the climate crisis is. Is there an argument for placing somebody on the course with something for you? Is this one of the troubleshooting things that we can put in place is actually to strategically place the people we want on the course at those points? 
Yeah, I mean, you can ask them to go to certain places, but then you can't be totally dependent on it either because true. there's a lot of people out there and you may not spot them. Yeah. It may, it's, it can be very, very busy out there on the course in Dublin and like deep spectators, about five or six deep, all trying to get a look at certain points on the course. I don't know, have you any points picked out where you're going to send Tina and Mikey? Yeah, well, London was a bit of a disaster that way because, again, it was lashing rain that day. Uh, But if the weather is good, it can be easy and quite a bit of fun for them to get to where they need to go. Where would you recommend somebody puts somebody to whether they need the the boy up or they they want to receive maybe a Martine energy drink? Where does what's the strategy in terms of placement of people there, in your opinion? Well, I think you need to look after yourself for the first half of the race. Okay. So you need to have everything covered and you're not depending on anybody. And then I think as the race goes on and things clean out a little bit and people may be able to see you a little bit better, then you might find a spot where you could say to someone, if you're here, you can give me a drink or you can give me a gel. But I think you can, like, you could easily carry four gels to have one every 10k. I think... You should be fairly self-sufficient and it's a bonus if you see somebody, it's a bonus if somebody can give you a drink or a gel along the way. Someone comes with tea and sandwiches like you're, <laughs> you're laughing. But, uh, yeah, sit down, picnic by the side of the road, <laughs> booted the car if, open. If you're, if, you're, if you're ahead of schedule, you'd have time to sit down. But I think the main thing is, yeah, I think you just have to have it bit figured out in your mind that yeah, it'll be great to have some support out there from people you know. But I think you'll have a fair bit of support anyway. I think there'll be a lot of people out there who will recognise you, who will recognise the jersey and give you a shout out. So I think when you get that along the way, then you're kind of feeling comfortable. If you're feeling comfortable, you'll enjoy it. Mm. You can also not like it if you're not feeling great. You don't <laughs> like it. You're like, leave me alone. Yeah. I'm doing my best. 14 kilometers or sorry 14 miles is what you're talking about that halfway point is on the Crumlin road heading onto the Drimna road uh, then you turn for Walkinstown probably you're right probably a really good spot there because the crowds thin out there are these moments in this where as you say it'll be the opposite of what you're describing where you're alone <laughs> you're suddenly in your own world again uh, the navigation of the emotion of the crowd. Did you ever struggle with navigating emotions, Sonia? And what ad- what advice do you give to people who who have had or know that they've difficulty holding it together emotionally throughout a 26 mile race? Well, I think if you're having a good run, I think it's easy to hold it together. I think it's only when things start to unravel that you can become a bit emotional too soon. Because mm. that's the point that normally happens when you get to the finish line or you cross the finish line and you're kind of just there and it's like, you just need somebody to hold you, <laughs> you know, to <laughs> look after you. That can be the most emotional point, I think, just the finish line or even that last hundred meters and getting yourself, you see it and you're nearly there. And you know that you don't lose it before you actually cross the finish line. Hmm. So I think you've got to be very kind of just blinkers on and focus for for a lot of this race and not get too 
emotionally attached to the crowds cheering, you can appreciate it. But I think you definitely have to take time where you go into your own little thought frame and you zone in on what you're doing. Because I think if you're reacting to everything that you see or you feel or you hear out in the course, then I think that takes a lot of energy away from you. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think if you can kind of have your own idea of what you're going to do and be so focused on what you're going to do that you can block everything else out, then I, for as long as you can into the race, then I think you can save a lot of energy doing that. Mm. And then I think you, then you're able to, if you see someone you know out on the course, you can really get a boost from seeing them because it's not just all the cheering that's going on, but it's one specific, someone who's gone out there, made a big effort to make sure that they see you, that you hear them. And that's when you feel a little bit accountable because they're doing their part. Now you've got to do your part. One of the things that you and Vinny had me prepped for for that last marathon was a mantra that I had from you guys. And that was just level, level, level. It was just one word, level, level, level. Stay level, uh, emotionally and pace-wise. Have you ever suggested somebody use a mantra? Have you heard of people using mantras, writing things on their arm? What's your position on this? Yeah, I mean, counting is something that people do. You start counting to 10 and then you count to 10 again. <laughs> and you you just keep counting. So it just kind of takes you, it distracts you from what you're doing and it gets you further down the road. Yeah. yeah. I think Paula Radcliffe used to count to 100. So she was getting very far down the road before she was starting again. And I think what happens when you pick a big number to count to, you can kind of lose track and then you've got to start all over again. You're like, what number am I on now? <laughs> and then you go again. And is and that just when she was in the pits of despair or was that just all the time? No, I think it was late in the race. Okay. The last few miles. Yeah. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. So pick but a I number, go there. Few miles, yeah. And then the other thing is to start doing maths in your head and... Oh, yeah. Calculations. And- you love maths. I'm terrible at maths. This wouldn't work for me. <laughs> I would literally just, uh, it would be too much exertion. <laughs> I cannot count the change for the bus. But you think calculating what's left works for you? Yeah, like you have six miles left. That's three times two miles, two times three miles. And then next thing you know, you've got three miles to go. All right, we've got two and a one. We've got three ones. Mm. You're always kind of, counting down but breaking it down into smaller pieces I'm so interested to hear that you've never listened to music during a race like this why is that Sonia when there is good research and data to say that listening to music improves your performance I don't know I think it's a distraction I think I can listen to I suppose even now when I'm running I don't ever really listen to music I could listen to podcasts and people talking. And when I tried to do that one time in the Cork City Marathon, when I was walking, I couldn't really listen to anything. It just, I don't know, I just felt like it took me away from what I, where I was and what I was trying to do. And I think, I don't know, I think there's enough going on. If you listen to music or you have something in your ears, then... It's like, well, well, why are you even a part of the event? <laughs> it's like you're you're kind of taking yourself away from what yeah, you've put yeah, yeah. into. It's like being on it your seems, phone in the cinema. It seems like a contradiction to me to mm. be doing something like that. And maybe it's a thing you've got to focus on one thing only. And by trying to focus on 
running down the road and not tripping over anybody. And I don't know. I just feel like you're more in tune with it mm. if you're if you're not listening to anything. And more so in a race or like if you were doing a session at the track, do you listen to music? I would, yeah. And, and honestly, I'm the other side of this coin and I do feel that there's quite a few people that uh, would agree with you. But there's yeah. equally those that need to be taken away from it the It would pain. be interesting to find out how many people actually listen to stuff in a marathon mm. and what they listen to. Well, why don't and I put they, that like, poll do they, up do in they the... Create, yeah. We can talk about this next week, maybe. Yeah. Do they create a playlist? I mean, what was Aoife Cleary, Cleary listening to when she... Like those big headphones on in the half marathon. <laughs> I actually have the inside track on this. I've been talking right. to Eva Cleary on Instagram and we're hoping to get her on the podcast. I did listen to a conversation she had on another podcast where she said she actually designed the playlist that morning at breakfast for the time that she wanted to run. So she created a playlist that was an hour and 20 minutes long and built the momentum of the songs to match where she wanted to be. So for her, the music was central to the performance. And one of the reasons she said she was smiling the whole time throughout that race, she also discusses on that episode, and I'll hope to have this discussion with her on this podcast, the importance of meditation to her performance, to her training and overcoming that part of your mind that says, Jesus, wouldn't it be great to just not train today? <laughs> uh, which is what I think we're all battling with at some point or another. You didn't have that battle today, Sonia. You put up 13 kilometres uh, and, we, as you said earlier, really happy with that run. Yeah, I was, um, well, I'd just been running easy runs recently and I brought a pair of shoes with me here to Michigan that I intend to leave here because I didn't think they were, I felt they were worn out. Mm. They're a pair of Alpha Flies, Alpha Fly 2, I've been wearing them since, I think I wore them a lot in January, February, March this year. And then I left them here while I was in Europe. And then apparently it's not good to leave them in the car, but I did anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But they they were hurting my feet there for a while. And I thought, oh no, I got to get rid of these. So I just take them with me to Michigan and then I'm going to leave them here. And I've ordered a new pair now. So when I go back, I'll have a bouncy, fresh new pair. They're not the new, new pair, are they? They're not the the threes. No, I think there's still the two, so okay. I'll have to pick them. I'll have a battle to wear them in first with all the blisters and whatnot. <laughs> and that is something, yeah, I see a lot of people have that problem. And with the next percent too as well. I think, were you wearing those at the track the other day? Uh, no, I was wearing a pair of vapor flies. It's so interesting that I do not have those blistering issues with those. But when I stick mm-hmm. on a pair of alpha flies... Uh, I have the same issues that a lot of people are describing. We had a lot of feedback on that. Yeah, so that's interesting. Even you have to break them in. Yeah, and even some of the athletes, like, it's interesting because I think athletes who run the marathon and they just put on a new pair and go for it, they don't seem to have a problem. But it seems to be more of a problem if you wear them in training. Mm, Isn't that interesting? Maybe it's slower speed. Just slightly slower speed and or even maybe it's a faster speed in training. Because yeah. when you wear them in the marathon, you're actually going slower. Um, the athletes who wear them for sessions are going a bit faster. So maybe it's the where when well, you wear them new and you're going a bit fast, that seems to have some kind of a rub, a, a harsher rubbing effect that causes the blisters. 
as I had one of the athletes last week had that problem and she had to come to training and change, bring a spare pair of shoes because if this blister was going to get bad again, she's going to have to change back into some older shoes. Jesus, I wouldn't think that this would happen at that level, but it's it's heartening for people to hear this. Sonia mentioned the actual map for the race itself earlier, and you can, if you go to the website of basically any marathon, will provide you with this map, which will also tell you exactly where your water stops are and yeah. where the loos are, which is going to be a big part of this. Certainly today, as great as it went, I definitely am... Facing into more digestive issues as this goes on. I don't know if that's a product of just being tired, if it's anxiety or whatever it is, but definitely I need to pinpoint where those lose are. If we're going to finish the first half of this episode, Sonia, what would be the uh, number one troubleshooting tip for people heading to Dublin and literally trying to avoid problems before they rear their head? I, I think the number one thing to do is to make a list and to have a and draw up a plan of everything from the starting time to how you're going to get to the start. So really you're drawing up a, a logistic plan. How, what time are you going to wake up in the morning? When are you going to have breakfast? How are you going to get to the start is key. Mm. How are you going to get there? The most ideal thing in it, it probably won't suit everybody, would be to stay somewhere within walking distance. Really, or, yeah, really I'm hard sure to do be, now. I'm yeah. sure there'll be plenty. Yeah, now you'd have to have it booked by now. I'm sure there'll be plenty of people coming in on the Lewis from somewhere. Mm-hmm. If you're close to a Lewis stop, then that's not bad too. But And it's always a funny thing when you're like coming on a train or a tram or the dart or whatever it is. And you see all the other people coming in and they're all kind of nervous and excited. And <laughs> you're, you're around a lot of people buzzing. But And the other thing is to... If you know other people running, to try and meet them before the start. Because I think you can calm yourself down a lot if you're with people who are they're about to run, do the same thing as you. But you know them and it just makes it that little bit more familiar. And it just takes the tension out of it, I think, when you're around people that you know and you can relax and you can just have a normal chat. Yeah, really good shout. We're actually going to do a meetup for a lot of the members of our WhatsApp group. If you haven't joined the Irishman Running Abroad WhatsApp group, just message me, irishmanabroadpodcast at gmail.com. Get on the conversation there and you can really pose anything to the group and they'll usually have an answer. I'm going to do a poll in there later today on what people are listening to. Are they listening to music? When do you listen to it? When is it beneficial to you? I know when it works for me, but we want to hear what works for you and Sonia and I will discuss that next week on the show. But come on over to Patreon this week and start enjoying the benefits of supporting our show. Hundreds and hundreds of episodes also, big deep dive interviews with some of the greatest Irish athletes that have ever lived, including Sonia O'Sullivan, Dervil O'Rourke, Ronnie Delaney, just to name a few. You will love it over there. And there's so much to listen to for the next run that you go on on patreon.com forward slash Irishman Abroad. One of the keys to like maintaining your brain mass is pushing past that comfortable zone physically, you know, exercise wise. Imagine you know, a world where everybody could go out the door and engage in the kind of exercise that's going to make them more relaxed, more healthy, burn off stress, 